Well, good morning, church. It's good to be together again. Trust you've had a wonderful week, that you're well. It's good to be here with members of the worship team, of the tech guys. I remember last week uh, we shared with you that as a family we had to go on quarantine. We had been in touch with somebody who was being tested for COVID-19. That test came back negative, praise God. We are all fine and we are back together in a more or less normal situation, although we can't get together, but it's good to be with you again. How was your week? Have you found yourself in a position to encourage somebody this past week? Are you sure in whom you trust, in whom you believe, and to whom you belong? We continue today with the second part of uh, RICT, our study on that journey of Paul to Rome. We experienced a shipwreck, and we are then getting lessons from that shipwreck of his, from that journey of his. Um, the Apostle Paul, if you remember, he was accompanied by his two companions, Dr. Luke and Aristarchus, and they leave from Caesarea bound to Rome. It is sometime in October. Winter is approaching. It's not a good time to be traveling by boat in the Mediterranean. The trip is filled with difficulties. After arriving at the port of Mare in Lycia, which is present-day Turkey, they change ships and they board a large cargo ship carrying grain from Egypt to Italy. They travel with difficulty and make it to the small port of Fair Havens. There, Paul advises them to stay there, to winter there, but they, uh, they rather move on to a nearby port of uh, Phoenix where it's larger, it's more convenient for them, for the sailors to spend winter. As they leave Fair Havens, a storm suddenly arises and takes them completely off course. After two weeks struggling in this storm, the sailors give up all hope of survival. That is when Paul approaches them and tells them, hey, guys, cheer up. No one is going to die. And he tells them that the, his Lord, his God, had sent him an angel to tell them that the ship would be lost, but they would live. They would be stranded in an island somewhere. Well, that's where we stopped last week. Let's continue our story today. And we pick it up in chapter 27 and verse 27 of the book of Acts. We are looking at the last two chapters of Acts, 27 and 28, where this story is unfolding. On the 14th day uh, of being in this storm, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They were close to land. And so they measure the depth. And as they're moving forward, they see the depth gets less and less. So for fear of, of hitting against rocks and smashing the ship, they throw four anchors from the back of the ship and they pray like crazy that morning comes quickly. Now, in the meantime, as the night goes on, the sailors thought that they could get that lifeboat, throw it overboard and, and make it to safety on their own and leave the prisoners and everybody else on the ship. But then as they're about to leave, Paul warns the guards and says, hey, those guys can't leave. If they leave, everyone will die. They will die. We will die. Everybody will die. So don't let them go. And so the guards cut the ropes, let the little lifeboat drift away, and everybody stays on board. Just before dawn, Paul calls upon everyone 
to take food. Let's read verses 34 to 37. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. It has been shown that in situations of panic or trauma, it just takes one person in authority who is calm and controlled to bring confidence and peace to the rest. By now, Paul had earned the respect and trust of the captain, the owner of the ship, and of the centurion. And so when he calls for them to eat, they listen to him. He calls for them to stop, to eat, to get ready for what comes next. It says that Paul prayed and gave thanks. He prayed with thanksgiving in the middle of a horrible situation of a storm. And I'm sure he gave thanks for the bread and he gave thanks for the lives. Even in the storm, people, we can find something to be thankful for. What are you thankful for today? What are you going to thank God for a little bit later on when you pray for your meal? Because of Paul's faith and because of his walk with God, 276 people, including Paul, were saved. Listen, child of God, you never know. You never know how many lives you are influencing due to your faithfulness to God. In this case, Luke gives us an exact count of the number of people on that ship. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't know how many people we influence through our lives. But be sure of this. That your faith in God, your example, your lifestyle with the Lord is bringing life to people around you, believers and non-believers. After eating, they lightened the ship further by throwing out all the wheat. As daylight comes, they see they are near land. They have no idea where they are, but they see a bay and a beach, and they plan on trying to take the ship towards that beach and run the ship onto the beach on that bay. They cut off the ropes of the anchors, and they let the wind and the current take them in. But before reaching the beach, however, the ship strikes a sandbank. The front of the ship gets stuck in the sandbank, in the sandbank, while from the back, violent waves are smashing against the ship. The ship is not going to last long. And the centurion and the soldiers have now a predicament. Let's read from verse 42 to 44. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion 
wanting to save Paul, take note, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Listen, land was in sight. Yet Paul and the prisoners ran the danger of not making it to their lives. Having come so far, the cruel and inhumane plan of the soldiers was to kill all of them so that none of them could swim and get away. Perhaps this was motivated by their fear of being punished if they lost any prisoner. Remember, that was the Roman law back then. This plan was cruel, an example of selfishness and ingratitude. Selfish because all they could think of was themselves, you know, and sparing their own lives. And it was ingratitude because it was due to one of the prisoners that they were still alive and that they were going to make it to that beach. But again, the favor of God is demonstrated. The centurion goes against this plan due to his desire to save Paul. Because of God's favor upon Paul, all the other prisoners were saved. Listen, child of God, the favor of God upon your life often brings a blessing to those around you. Whether they are aware of it or not, think about it. While the centurion orders the soldiers who could swim to go first, they would make sure no prisoner escaped and they could help those who were coming to land. Everyone else followed, either swimming or floating, clinging to pieces of wood and bits and pieces of the ship. With difficulty, all make it to safety, all make it to land. In chapter 28, they discover that they are in Malta, in the little island of Malta. The people there received them with kindness and made them feel welcome. The storm is not over yet. It is raining, it is cold, and so the locals made a fire to keep them warm. As Paul was gathering wood and placing it on the fire, a venomous snake bites him and attaches itself to his hand. Again, it seems that whatever can go wrong with Paul is going wrong with Paul. Does it sound familiar? Ever had days or seasons like that? The poor guy has just escaped, drowning in the sea, and now a snake, venomous snake, bites him. The locals from the island, when they saw this, they thought the worst of Paul. Check this out. Acts 28, verses 4 to 6. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. (laughs) Remember something we mentioned last week. 
When you're on a mission from God, you're invincible until God is done with you in that mission. When we have a plan from God in our lives, something to do, we will get to the end of that. Paul was serving God. He was on this trip in God's will. Jesus told him that he will go to Rome and no viper will stop him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now listen, this is not a license to be careless and irresponsible. Don't go around looking for trouble. Don't go around doing stupid things. But when you are on a mission from God, these things cannot stop you. Paul was on a clear mission under clear instruction of the Lord. And when people saw no harm coming to him, instead of thinking he was a murderer, he thought he was a God. This kind of helped them prepare their hearts for Paul's message later on. The leading citizen of the island, the Roman governor of the island, his name was Publius, he received them for a few days. This probably means that it was only Paul, his traveling companions, and the centurion. While he was at Publius' home, Paul prays for his father who was sick, and he was healed. When word of the governor's father's healing spreads, people from all over the island who were sick came to his home. Paul prayed for them, and they were healed. Paul had the opportunity to preach the gospel to all the people in the island. After staying there for the winter, for about three months, they took another ship and they sailed all the way safely to Rome. We read that the people of the island provided whatever they needed for their trip, indicating that they had been accepted by the people and made friends there. Listen, only eternity will reveal how many of the islanders became followers of Christ because of Paul's shipwreck, because of that snake bite, because of his presence in that island. Man, what a story, eh? What a journey. What can we take home from the story? What can we learn from it apart from what we already learned last week and, and so far in this message? Well, there are principles here that teaches us something about God and His ways. There are also lessons here for us on what to do and what not to do during storms in our lives. And then there is something here about what God ordains and our choices. So let's talk about God and His ways. God's ways are not always comfortable and easy. If you think that just because you're a Christian, you're going to have it easy in this world, in this life, you're mistaken. Jesus clearly said in this world, you will have tribulation. And God usually chooses the longest and most uncomfortable way of getting things done. Ask Joseph, who had a vision of his brothers bowing before him, that is, of being a leader. Look at the journey he had to take before becoming a leader. Ask David, 
who was anointed as king, but had to hide in caves for a long time before ascending to the throne. Ask Paul, who would testify before rulers, but had to endure much persecution to do that. You would have thought that after Jesus came to Paul and told him you would testify in Rome, that from then on things would be smooth and easy, wouldn't you? And yet he spends two years in prison in Caesarea and then has a stormy trip to Rome, including a shipwreck. And yet God uses persecution and wrecks to result in lives being changed for eternity. I can only imagine how the lives of those on the ship were affected by the life of Paul. I can only imagine how many lives were changed in Malta after Paul spent three months over there. You see? Now, let's look at things you do and don't do during storms in our lives. First of all, things you don't do during a storm. Two big things emerge in the story. It's this. You don't lose hope. And you don't lose sight of your mission. Paul had hope. He had full confidence that he would complete his journey. Paul also always kept the kingdom and its message at the center of all he did. He used every opportunity to testify about the one in whom he believed. In the same way, we cannot lose hope and we cannot stop reaching out to others Even with the limitations of the levels of lockdown, no matter which storm you're going through, we don't lose hope and we don't stop reaching out to others. Another thing you don't do during a storm, you don't get disconnected from your local church. Well, the best Paul could do was to have his travel companions with him and the assurance that his church back home, the church back home was was praying for him. Today, we can actually stay connected in so many ways. Awaken Life Church, there are some ways in which you can stay connected to the church. Watch our services online on a regular basis, weekly, okay? Make sure you watch it. Don't, don't get despondent about it. Don't forget about it. Make sure every week you are following. It's okay to watch other services if you have the time, but make sure this is your priority. Give as regularly as you can. I know this storm has affected many people financially, but if you are able to give, do give. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has been faithfully giving tithes, offerings towards food parcels. You are making things happen by your giving, and we thank you. Make prayer requests. Use our prayer request button on our webpage, and and let's be praying for one another. Parents with children, make sure your kids watch the children's program on our website. After we finish the year, go and look for the appropriate age and include them and make sure they are watching. Parents with teens, make sure your teen is following their lessons and activities in the youth WhatsApp group. Amen. Stay connected to your local church. 
And if you're watching this and you're from another church, welcome to be with us and we welcome you. But make sure you don't ignore your own church. Amen. So what do you do during a wreck? Well, you stay connected to God. You have communion with God. You encourage yourself in the Lord. You stay connected to your local church, as we've just discussed. You reach out to others as much as you can. Listen, church family, there are some practical ways that you can do that. You, you can like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It helps to spread the message. Like and share on Facebook. Don't just watch, like and share. When we send you invitations to our online activities, share them with others. Pass it on. People that you think might need it, people that maybe are not connected to a church, send it to them. Invite. It's a way, it's a great way to invite people to church. It's a great way to plant seeds. You never know what is going to result from that invitation. Amen. What else do you do? You encourage others during these storms. Be alert every day to opportunities to bring encouragement to people and opportunities to pray for people. Speak and act in faith. Preach and teach. You don't have to do long teachings, but drop a word of a year. Something that, that the person needs to hear. Just encourage people with the word of God. Amen. And of course, on a very practical note, take care of yourself. Listen, we are striving to survive. Okay. So take time to feed and to strengthen yourself. Do not overwork. It's okay to break bread. It's okay to eat and to rest. For the believer, it includes having communion as well. So do look after yourself in the storm. And then finally, there's something here about what God declares and our choices. In Acts 27, 31, we read, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Paul does not allow the sailors to leave the boat or they would die. Now, this sounds like a contradiction of what Paul had predicted earlier. He said, no, the Lord says no one is going to die. But now he says, hey, if you leave, you die. You see, what God preordains must still be adhered to by man. God preordains, but it still takes the right choices from man, from you and I. So many things are wrong in this world because of men's selfish choices. It is God's will that men should be saved, yet many will not be saved due to their wrong choices. As we commune with God, as the Spirit speaks to us, let us be obedient and make the right choices. Keep the prayer that Jesus taught us in mind. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, look for God's will, not your will. Sometimes you're so bent on doing things our way that we miss God's way. We miss out the kingdom. Are you willing to do his will instead of your will? Then what God has preordained will come to pass. Well, church, my prayer is that you would safely complete your journey and fulfill the purpose of the Lord for your life. Learn 
the lessons from Paul's shipwreck. If you didn't watch last week, go back. Watch the first part, learn the lessons there, and apply the ones you've learned this week as well. Apply them to your present COVID-19 wreck. Apply them to every storm in your life. By understanding God's ways, by seeking first His kingdom and His will, and by making choices which bring life to those around us, our lives will bring glory to God. And we will have the joy of experiencing His peace in the storm. Do the practical things I suggested to you. Commune with God. Stay connected with the church. There is so much bad news around us. Be light. Be salt. Be an instrument of hope and encouragement to those you come across. Amen? Come, let us pray together. Father, as we close this service, I pray, Father, for so many people, maybe many of them watching us and so many people we may know, friends and family, with needs, Father, who are struggling in this season, battling with emotions, battling maybe with loss. Father, we pray for each and every one. We pray for encouragement. We pray that you will bless them, encourage them, give them peace, my God. Give them strength. We pray that needs will be supplied, Father God. And we give you thanks, Father, for those who are, even in the middle of the storm, finding hope, being blessed, being protected. Father, we just pray, Father, that you will help each one of us to even in the middle of the storm, stay focused in our mission, stay focused in your kingdom, my God, and bring glory to your name in all we say, in all we do, Father. Hallelujah. And now I pray that the love of God the Father the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and that the peace and the joy, the presence, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will embrace you through the storm to the glory of God. Amen. See you next week. God bless you.